Welcome to Politically Pissed. My name is Saeed Charmini, and I'm here with my co-host, Simon. Hey. And then we have a special guest host today. John Ronquillo is back. Hello. And then today we have a special guest to join us, Iman Jode. Thank you so much for coming. Tell us about what you're running for and uh, what you plan on doing with that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm super excited to be here and use this platform to reach our constituents and really get a chance to talk about the campaign. So my name is Iman Judah and I am running for House District 41 and I'm running to make the American dream a reality for everyone. I am a first generation American and a first generation Coloradan. I have lived in Aurora, um, my hometown for my entire life. So I've been able to see the ups and downs of House District 41. And I consider myself an educator, a community advocate. And I think through all of these different mediums, I have been able to prepare myself to be a great representative for the people of House District 41. I'm running because I really feel like over the past many years of my work at the Capitol, I have been on the front lines and I have been entrenched and standing side by side next to our legislators to make sure that we are passing progressive policy, ensuring that Colorado remains a progressive state. At the same time, I've also been fighting against very bigoted policies that hurt Coloradans, hurt the, the, the interests of minority groups and vulnerable communities. I've been proud to fight for legislation like equal pay for equal work. I've been proud to fight for and lift up community members to get involved in banning the box uh, for employment and for higher education, to fight for the Ralph Carr bill, for um, the Civil Rights Division, all things that really protect Coloradans. Uh, and I think that's, that's what it's been about for me. I have a proven track record at the Capitol, and I think that's what allowed a lot of our representatives and senators to endorse me within the first five weeks of my campaign. Um, getting those 24 endorsements right off the bat was not only an honor, but I think it was indicative to the hard work that I've put in over the past few years and is proof to them that I have what it takes to be a quality representative of HD 41. I also truly believe that having a representative of a district that is also a representative of the face of the people gives breath to the policy that the people of HD 41 need or need representation on. I'm the product of public schools. I started kindergarten in the local Korean church, um, and I would return there every November when my parents would go cast their ballot because that was our local polling station. I went to Ponderosa and Prairie and Overland, and then I continued my public education at the University of Colorado at uh, Denver, 
and I got my degree in political science and then I finished my master's degree in public policy so I'm a trained political scientist who you know is capable of understanding how to pass progressive legislation for the best interests of Coloradans I have a question sort of in that line then so you work for an interfaith organization that deals with a lot of different religions. You're looking at becoming the first Muslim woman in the House of Representatives here or in any legislative position in Colorado. How do you think that your past and your religion and dealing with other religions as well will affect how you push forward? Because it sounds like you have a very progressive platform to begin with. Which, which most people would think is opposite of you know Islam and stuff like that. So can you maybe explain how that sort of affects your thinking, yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, it's a common misconception, I think, of what Islam is and how Muslims follow uh, this way of life. I truly believe that my religion has been able to transcend over the centuries, and many of those values that Muslims live by are the same values that our democracy upholds. One of those examples is when I was testifying last session for equal pay, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but there is a verse in the Quran that says, I will always reward you for the work that you do regardless of your gender. And for me, if that is the verse that God delivered 1400 years ago, providing safeguards for women, then I am very confident that I can provide that, sh that same shared value at the legislature when I want to go up to bat for women to receive equal pay in 2020. When I look at or think about my religious values, it's not a, it's not a matter of implementing or imposing those religious values. For me, it's just knowing that those values are already shared within our American democracy and that I have the insurance of knowing that no matter what policy I push is already upheld by the values that we share. At the Interfaith Alliance, I, I feel like it's an honor to work here because of those shared values, because we have that ability to advocate for people without a voice through a faith-based voice. That said, it's not always faith-based. We do need to understand our policy. We do need to understand what we're going up against. And we do that every single day during the session. So it sounds like you've had a lot of experience dealing with the legislature here. Absolutely. For quite a few years, like I said, been on the front lines, testifying for countless bills, testifying against bills. There are really tough sessions where you don't win. And that's the reality of it. You don't get the bills passed that you want to pass, but you come back the next session and you try again and you try again, but then you have successful sessions and successful bills and you celebrate those, those successes. Well, speaking of trying and trying again, uh, I want to talk about your first attempt into becoming a legislator. Uh, that was when you tried to fill Daniel Kagan's seat when he stepped down. You had some experience with the party. Can you sort of explain that process and, you know, how you felt about it, what you went through and what it was like? Sure. I ran for a vacancy committee and, you know, that was really tough in the sense of 
it was going for a Senate seat, so with a much bigger district. And of course, I was going up against now Senator Jeff Bridges, uh, who was a colleague of mine. He's a friend of mine. And it was so great to learn so much from him. I think it was very interesting having to run in a vacancy committee or campaign that was so expedited that it really you know the, the the learning curve is so steep and it can hurt you and it can help you in my instance it really helped me it put my name on the map and it gave me that name recognition and it was almost a springboard for me to have a good head start in this race this is what encouraged me to run for House District and a lot of the people and the PCPs who were voting in that vacancy committee um, encouraged me to run uh, in House District 41. That said, a lot of the PCPs who, you know, came out to vote or who realized that they had to have a vote in this vacancy committee were upset with the process. And they were upset with the sense of 124 people have to make a decision for thousands of people, which didn't seem democratic to them. Well, so I was thinking, is it such a small number of people that make the decision? But it, it would have only been to fill the rest of that term, correct? Correct. Okay. But, How long was left? Do you remember? Um, so he had, uh, let's see here. He, he, he was going into a full term, I think. Yeah. I believe so. Oh, wow. If we can step back, uh, would you give us a tour of your district? Yeah. One thing I love about Aurora is that it is the most diverse city in Colorado. And I think that it very much embodies not only my upbringing, but it embodies what I love about Colorado, what I love about Aurora and my community. One of the biggest things that my district houses is the largest mosque in the Rocky Mountain region. Mm -hmm. My father was a co-founder of this mosque, and I am the current spokeswoman of this mosque. Is that the one on Parker? On Parker yeah. Road, yeah. And we have a great and very strong Ethiopian population. We have a strong Korean population. Um, I think you can go up and down Havana and tour the world, quite frankly. It's I one was, of my favorite areas. It yeah. really is. I love it. I was actually telling someone earlier today, when I go grocery shopping at Arash, who has been there for as long as I know, at yeah. least twenty five years. Yeah. Right. You know, he's family owned. All of his cashiers are women over fifty five, and in there, I can go and I can say, you know, splasiba. I can say dasvadanya. Khodafis, shukran, assalamu alaikum, hello, como esta? And <laughs> all of those languages are spoken. And that to me embodies Aurora. That to me embodies my district. And that's what I want to represent at the Capitol. I want to be a champion for those folks. And so I think uh, uh, being a champion for those small small businesses, being a champion for... Uh, the school districts, not only Cherry Creek schools, but Aurora School District as well, which is amazing to have that crossover, is 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 a is a is a blessing for me. 
think that answers it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, that, I'm no, no, you're think. good. Yeah. You're good. I actually, <laughs> I want to offer John a chance to jump in here and maybe talk about uh, policies that he is also passionate about. Yeah, well, so man, I'm running right next door to you. Yeah. Uh, we both call Aurora home. We love Aurora. It's a great place to be. Uh, I'm curious to know what your top three policy issues are, the, the things that you are most concerned about potentially going into a legislative seat. I think my top three legislative issues are easily cost of living, health care, and the climate. And I want to talk about each of those a little bit. I am a proponent for universal health care. I think each of these issue areas are intertwined. I think if we could implement universal health care, it would be or remove a huge blockade to affordable housing and affordable living. For six years, my father battled cancer. And in his last year of life, we received a summary of care bill for a million dollars. And so without insurance, without assistance, we would have been medically bankrupt. We would have probably lost the house. Um, Let me ask a question, though. Yeah. Would you all have been liable for that, or would he have been in his estate? So after his death, his Mm -hmm. estate probably would have. Don't quote me on that. I don't know how the medical legal aspect of that would have been. But had he lived once that bill was due... He would have been stuck with it. He would have been stuck with it, right. Now, that said, it was a summary of care bill. So that's what the cost of his medical care was. It's not necessarily the bill we were getting stuck with. But again, like I said, had we not had insurance, had we not had assistance we would have been stuck with that bill. And the reality is, is that for Americans, for Coloradans, they are stuck with that bill and they are going bankrupt. And that to me is un-American and unsustainable. How did you feel about Amendment 69? Uh, remind me which one. That was that? the Sorry. universal care bill. I think it was 20, was it 2016? I think there's a few options that we could be doing to provide universal health care to Coloradans. I do think that the option of having a opt-in option for Coloradans or employers should be something that we look at. Uh, at the same time, whatever we do do for universal health care needs to be a state solvent program. We can't just provide a program and yes, either bankrupt the state or, you know, put us in a hole. That said, you know, while I am a political scientist, I'm not an economist. I'm not a climatologist. I will be the very first person to tell you these things. But I will also be the first person to tell you, when I'm elected, I will bring people who are experts, who will collaborate, who will sit at the table with me to say, we need to draft progressive legislation that is doable that we can implement. A great example of this is paid family leave. I'm a huge proponent for paid family leave with no private option. I do not believe that's what's right for Colorado. The governor last session said, I'm not going to pass this, but 
let's put together a task force over the summer and tell us how we can best implement that in Colorado. And they came back with, Colorado can do this. We have the resources. It can be a state solvent program, right? And so that's something that I would want to do. Put together that task force. Put together those those experts in a room so we can come back with a solution of how to execute universal health care here in Colorado. Well, for one, I appreciate all the policy points that you brought up. And I think living in Aurora, we're seeing the housing issues pop up a lot more. Um, so I don't think that that's anything that would diverge too much from my district. I think that's something where we align on a lot. I think the health care is, is, is something also equally important to us. Um, and uh, I hope you don't mind me adding that uh, a man lost her father the same year I lost my mother. And so I very much sympathize on this in terms of what we need to do to promote universal health care. I guess one question that I want to ask, you brought up family leave, which I think is incredibly important, and it's been such a, a prominent bill featured at the legislature for years. Uh, this is, well, I don't know how many times it's been, been brought forward. I know Senator Faith Winter has brought it and done a tremendous amount of work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of media outlets use that really tired adage that it just wasn't ready for prime time. <laughs> Given that it has been brought forward over and over again, what is it going to take to finally get it over that hurdle and to make it a reality, do you think? This is what worries me. Um, as a very proud board member of the women's lobby, we are adamantly against this private option, and we have voted as a board to publicly oppose this private option. And what worries me is that the agreement, if you will, will be to have this private option, just to have it pass. And I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's what's right. I think that's settling. I know Faith Winter, uh, Senator Winter, sorry, has been working really hard on this bill, and and I give her mad props for, for, for doing this work. It's not easy. But that said, I I can't ignore that every single Coloradan will be affected by paid family leave at some point in their life. You will either need it, right, or you will be the recipient of it. We, we can't hand this over to insurance companies who are out to make a profit when we are at our most vulnerable. Can I ask a tiny follow-up? Yeah, go for it. What do you think the biggest misconception around it is? Uh, the The biggest misconception is that um, Coloradans will pay more, you know, and employers who are paying in, if they choose to, will pay more, that insurance companies won't be picking up the, the tab. What's worse is that you know, the pro-private option folks are now infusing our TV sets with, uh, with commercial ads. And they're very brainwashing. And we're not counteracting that. And that's very scary to me. And they look very convincing. And people, I don't think, understand the backstory of a lot of this legislation. To tag along with that, pay family leave you're talking about when someone gets sick, ill, hurt, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. What about paternity and maternity leave so what's great about this legislation is that you can define family in whatever way you choose to describe it and so if you 
it, which it's great that it makes it all encompassing, you know, it, it's inclusive of LGBTQ communities. It's inclusive of all that feel like I may not have a family, but I really need to be there for this person in my life as they battle cancer, as they were in an accident or whatever that is. And so for me, I love that part of the legislation because we can't just keep it to the traditional definition of what a family is anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, I was talking about like if you have a kid, like can that fall in there too? Or? I yes, I believe oh, okay. I believe it should and and does. And okay. you know, Senator Pedersen is championing this whole thing. She had a baby while in session, yeah. right? And now here she is fighting for this legislation where she can get fa- paid family leave while on maternity leave. Okay. Um, I think as a developed nation, we are incredibly behind on maternity and paternity leave. I would absolutely agree. Yes. I want to bring the conversation back to the campaign. Yeah. Just from my observations, you have incredible support among uh, both policymakers and community leaders. I think you've had a great campaign so far, but I imagine there have been challenges. Um, You know, as a Muslim woman involved in politics, um, would you be comfortable sharing some of the challenges, maybe not just in the campaign, but that you've had to overcome you know, through the years. With constituents, party, whatever. Sure. You know, I have to tell you, the, the negative rhetoric that has been brought to my attention has been little to none. Mm. And I don't know if I'm being shielded <laughs> <laughs> mm. or if I'm just not seeing it. I feel also very blessed that my own Muslim and Arab community is supporting me I tabled outside of my mosque and they all came up to me and they were saying, you know, this is amazing. We support you. We need you. This is overdue. So I think it's, I think it's great that, that we're doing this. I also believe that Aurora is very open. We're very understanding. We're very, you know, ready for something like this. House of Representatives here in Colorado is diverse, but I think it's time that we diversify that diversity, right? In our history, we have not had a Muslim. That's true. I would be the first Arab woman. This is true, but that's not why I'm running. I don't think that should be my, my, you know, my banner, if you will. Mm. Yes, that is who I am, but for me, I'm also someone who truly believes in civil rights. I'm also someone who is truly, truly paranoid and worried about the state of our climate. Mm. I worry that my mom, as she ages, about the realities of her affording to live in our, our childhood home. These are the things that I'm worried about, and these are the reasons why I'm running. Yes, I happen to be a Muslim. Yes, I happen to be an Arab. But I also know that a lot of other people with a lot of other identities are sharing the exact same concerns. Mm. That's kind of why I let off with that subject. I, w- I wanted to talk about the fact that that has nothing to do with what you're running for. You're running for certain causes. So uh, you mentioned climate change. Can we talk about that one a little bit? Absolutely. Um, what sort of ideas do you have? We have a lot of oil and gas here in this state. What do you plan to do for like those people that are in oil and gas jobs right now? 
that are looking at sort of the government we have here at the Capitol and saying, you're trying to take away our work. You're trying to take away our jobs. Absolutely. My passion for the climate crisis, which is what it is, this isn't, you know, we shouldn't be saying change anymore. This is a crisis, and we need to stem the tide of this crisis. We need to ensure that future generations have something sustainable to live with. And that is just not the case at the moment. I have five nephews and a niece under 15, and I am absolutely worried for their future. I don't know what they are going to inherit. And I find it my responsibility, I think it is incumbent upon us to take those steps and find that solution. You're right, we do have big oil and gas out here. And we do have workers who are in those fields that have been there for a while. And, you know, that's a part of their trade. For me, I think that we need to find alternative energy solutions, right? And have a just transition for those jobs so they're trained appropriately to work in these new fields of energy. I think a great example of this and one that I will stand by is our pipe fitters. Many pipe fitters in Colorado are second, third generation pipe fitters. And they're very proud of that. Many of them are over 45. They're not going to be willing to sit here and go through new training. I get that. Many of them are also working in oil and gas. So what is an alternative for that? And I think an alternative that is cleaner and safer and could potentially earn them more money is the, the, the geothermal uh, industry that we have in Colorado. It has a great future here in Colorado. Our Capitol building and I believe our city and county building here in, in Denver um, are heated and cooled by geothermal technology and they could definitely put to you or put their 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 skills to work in that industry which is safer for them and is safer for the planet so we have we have options i think it's just a matter of shifting that and changing the culture of what we want to use for energy from this point out i work in the criminal justice system sure we were talking shortly before this podcast about how uh, you had a conversation with the state public defender. I'm sure she said a lot of things to you about adjusting our criminal justice laws. Uh, what would you say, in your opinion, is probably the most important thing, eh, one or two if, if you want, that we need to change about our criminal justice system in order to help people? We can no longer imprison brown and black men as a vestige to slavery through private prisons. We have got to stop and close private prisons here in Colorado and in my view in the United States. Um, they cannot be a solution to uh, criminal justice reform. I also really believe that we need to start raising up organizations like the Second Chance Center and Ready to Work, um, two organizations which I proudly um, 
um, uphold, work with, ready to work. I'm on their board and um, are in Aurora, which I'm also very proud of, that help folks who are coming out, you know, or, or who are recently incarcerated to say, how can we train you? How can we get you back into society? How can we get you housing? How can we put you back on track, right? To reduce that recidivism rate and to say, okay, you know, we are going to revolutionize the criminal justice system from the ground up. And we're not waiting for legislation. I appreciate Representative Herod taking that charge on, right? And we need to do that, but we need to meet her halfway from the community. And so if we can start having these programs available for folks, whether they're homeless, whether they are former addicts, or whether they are formerly incarcerated, these are all things that we need to be giving these folks a chance at the American dream. Just from my own personal context of uh, getting to know a man as a candidate, uh, the work that she's done in the community, I've, I've seen you as somebody who has been pretty tireless when we all know, everyone around this table knows, uh, either as a candidate or being involved in campaigns previously, this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and this is not for people who are going to putter out easily. My simple question is just kind of zooming out on everything. Honestly, what keeps you going? What keeps you going? When you get to those moments where it's like, why am I doing this? What keeps you going? The other day, I waited six hours to testify. I waited because all I could think about was who I was testifying for. I was testifying for those women who couldn't be there and who couldn't afford to take time off from work to tell their story and to make sure that they will continue to have reproductive rights in Colorado. I waited and I waited and the moment I got up there and sat on that table, I just, I felt reinvigorated and realized this is what gives me the momentum to keep going. This is why I'm doing that. This year I'm on this side of the table Next year, I'm going to be on that bench, and I'm going to be passing legislation, and I'm going to be hearing testimonies that matter. That's what keeps me going. I know and I'm very confident that I am not a one-issue candidate. I am not running to represent HD 41 and the interests of Colorado simply because I am on medication that I cannot afford. And to me, we do need universal health care. I'm not just running because I do believe we need to be raising up unionized apprenticeship programs and making community college and universities tuition free. I'm not just running because I believe every American deserves civil rights and that our culture should represent that. And I'm not just running for criminal justice reform or to improve our climate. I'm running for so much more, and I represent that at the Capitol every day. And I think when the voters have to choose between one or two issue candidates and myself, who is a cornucopia of expertise, knowledge, and experience, then I would hope that they're going to go up to bat for someone 
who will go up to bat for them. I think that answered your question, didn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, no, no, I, 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 I admire and appreciate that response as well. Thank you. So uh, we'll go ahead and get into final thoughts. Simon, you got one? Sure. Johnny, you got one? Yep. You want to, like, rock, paper, scissors, who goes first? Should I? <laughs> All right. Here we go. You ready? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, he goes first. All right. All right, go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. I was going to be polite and let you go first anyway. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to win either way, huh? Go ahead. <laughs> well, so everyone should have their presidential ballots by now. And you're probably seeing names of candidates who are no longer there. I was actually speaking with a friend today, and he's holding on to his ballot just because, you know, he wants to see if some people will stay in the race or not. I think that's an interesting strategy to maximize your vote. However, Democrats are known for forgetting to turn in their ballots. Um, and so whoever is listening, you know, go with your gut. Just pick the best one you think is going to fight for you and turn that ballot in because before we know it, March, March 3rd is going to be here. So today is a bit of a tense day across the street at the Capitol. There were uh, six bills that were introduced that are uh, anti-LGBTQ bills. And it got me thinking that we are no state for hate. But I want to give a shout out to somebody uh, who I've never met before and who might be a bit surprising. And that is uh, State Senator Don Corum of Montrose, uh, who is a Republican, who is on the other side of the aisle. Part of the reason I wanted to give him a shout out is because earlier today I read in the Colorado Sun uh, about him, his background. He has a son who's gay. And one of the quotes that he gave was that, in his opinion, it should just be live and let live. Coincidentally, House Bill 1033, the short title is live and let live, when in fact it allows discrimination in a variety of areas of public life on the basis of religion. And I think that we in 2020 have moved well past that. And uh, the other person I want to give a shout out to is Representative Chris Kennedy, who is chairing uh, the State Affairs, uh, State Military and Veterans Affairs Committee uh, today to hear these bills. Uh, well, I get that some of the opposition has lambasted all of these bills being heard, and it's going to go late into the night. Uh, I think the fact that they are willing to stay and hear out both sides uh, of these bills is a testament to some dedicated legislators. Um, but I want to, to thank Senator Corum for giving the real ethos of what it means to live and let live and not what this bill uh, is propagating forward. See, and that's why you'd be great there. You reach across the aisle. You know, it's possible. Mm -hmm. It's possible. I mean, I don't think that there is any reason. And, and Senator Corum shouldn't be the only one because there are other members of the Republican caucus in both chambers who don't feel that these bills are right at this right time. There, there is a, a sponsor of one of the bills who went and introduced it, who, frankly, I didn't feel that he felt confident uh, in, in putting the bill forward, which made me wonder, why did you put the bill forward in the first place? Because some of your own caucus members are asking the same thing. Mm. What is heartening about that to me is the fact that at least both sides of the aisle know that there are many other things that are probably more pressing. When we've handled this at the federal level, we've had precedent before that have said, these people deserve to be protected. These people are our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, our family. Then let's truly live and let live. I agree. Okay. Mine's going to be a little divergence from politics. 
Uh, SpaceX uh, recently was approved to start having manned missions, which means that commercial space flight is really upon us. Uh, I know Virgin has their thing that they've been trying to do, but SpaceX seems to be pushing the boundaries the furthest. I, for one, cannot wait to fly on SpaceX. My brother is a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and he is a aerospace engineer, so he would be happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm very proud of him. Um, Well, first I want to thank all of you guys for for being here. It was awesome, and what a great organic, fun conversation to talk about keeping Colorado blue, honestly. So I loved it. I also want to thank you for allowing me this time and this platform that, you know, gets our message out, not only as a campaign, but as a as a candidate, as a woman of color. And I think it's important that people get to know us through all these different mediums that they have available at their disposal. So thank you so much. John, thank you for also being my, my guest interviewer. Happy to do it. I do want to note something John mentioned. Someone asked me recently, you know, would I work across the aisle? And I said yes immediately. And the reason is, is because I don't believe that any politician, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or however you identify, is a monolith. I think at the end of the day, we are all Coloradans. We are all American. And we only want the best for Colorado. So if we can pass that legislation that does reach across the aisle and is bipartisan, then I really think that we should be doing that. Of course, I will always push for progressive legislation, whether I get that support or not, but I will always ask, you know, and I will always try to get that support. So with that, I am in the meantime asking for the support of our voters in HD 41. I am petitioning and caucusing on to the ballot, and I'm hoping to uh, get all that done before um, the deadline. So if you would like to sign my petition, email us at iman, I-M-A-N, at imanforcolorado.com. If you would like to volunteer and help knock doors and get signatures, we would very much appreciate that as well. Please email us at the same address, iman for, sorry, iman at imanforcolorado.com. If you want to volunteer in any other capacity, we would also welcome that as well. I think one of the the biggest things and lifts as a candidate that we can all attest to is the fundraising. We always need donations, so if you would like to donate, go to imanforcolorado.com, or we have our donation envelopes that you can send in, and the address is also on the website as well. Thank you so much, and Thank you to everyone who's listening. Please, please, please do not forget to come out and vote. We have a primary and we have a general. We have to do it. We have to vote. We have to make sure Colorado stays blue. And more importantly, we have to make sure that the United States stays blue. Yes, we do. Uh, And don't forget about caucus because that's a very important process for you as well. Do not forget about caucus. Yes, for anyone who will be involved in caucus, there are caucus trainings available. Um, You can reach out to us if you need help with that or information on how to do that. Absolutely. You mentioned signatures too. I just got to ask real quick. How close are you to like 2,000 or so? So we need 1,000 signatures. um, Certified, right? Yes. 
Yeah, so exactly. He, so we're going to obviously yeah, go over that a little bit. We're not that close, but I definitely have my small army of volunteers out with their clipboards doing their work, knocking doors, and that's my... That's going to be my my Valentine plans over the weekend with my lovely husband. (laughs) That sounds so romantic. (laughs) I know. He loves it. He eats this stuff up. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We appreciate you joining us. Everybody want to say goodbye? Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks so much. Take it easy. Yeah, guns close doors to the system Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not